0: This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, and today I'm joined by Dr. Jay Kost, author of the new book, Democracy or Republic? The People and the Constitution. Dr. Kost is the Gerald R. Ford Non-Resident Senior Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, where he focuses on political theory, Congress, and elections. He is also a visiting scholar at Grove City College and a contributing editor at the Washington Examiner. Dr. Koss, thanks so much for joining me here on the station.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: I'd like to start by asking you a question about the book's title, Democracy or Republic. It's a question that I, and I think many Americans, consider often because it can be confusing. Why is that question, Democracy or Republic, so often asked? And why is there confusion about what form of government the United States is?
1: That's a great question, um, and thanks again for having me. Um, I think one of the reasons there's confusion surrounding that question is because the terms are really closely related. Um, when we when we think about – I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, when the Founding Fathers talked about the Republican principle of government, what they meant was the idea that the majority rules. That is what we today would call democracy. Um, and so the interrelationship of the two terms can kind of make it confusing. I, I There is a difference, though. Um, democracy comes from the Greek. It literally means rule by the people. Uh, republic comes from Latin, and it refers to the phrase re, race publica, which means the public thing or the public affair. So the way I like to distinguish between democracy and republic is if we think about Lincoln's immortal phrase in the Gettysburg Address, government of the people, by the people, for the people. A government of the people and by the people is a democracy. That's just the people being in charge. Government for the people, is that is Republican government because that is government that is done for the benefit of the entire political community rather than just the majority that happens to be in charge. And so there's a difference between two types of democracy. There is a democratic tyranny where the majority governs for its own sake against the interest of the whole community. And then there's a democratic republic where the majority governs for the good of the entire political community.
0: To ask it directly, what kind of government, democracy or republic does the United States Constitution plan for and what evidence is there in the Constitution to support that?
1: That's a, another great question. So our system is at its core a republic. It is a, meant to be a democratic republic in the sense that um, uh, in classical antiquity, for instance, in ancient Rome, the Roman Republic was more of an oligarchic republic where the rich tended to wield um, most of the power. Our system was meant as a democratic republic where the people – citizenship was defined in a way to include everybody – by, certainly by the 20th century, everybody is involved. So that's a, a democracy. But our system has a number of safeguards uh, meant to uh, prevent the majority from governing unwisely. Um, there's lots of examples of this. I think probably the best one is the United States Senate. People say the Senate is not a democratic institution. They're correct. It's not intended to be a democratic institution. Instead, it's intended to be an institution that checks the excesses of democracy and protects the interests of the small states against the interests of the large states. What
0: led the founders then to set up a republic when they had many other choices of forms of government for the
1: United States? There's a couple reasons. I mean, for starters, the the scope of opportunities they had, the different governments they had to choose from, maybe were not that broad. I mean, in Europe, for instance, the aristocracy had wielded a great deal of power. We didn't really have an aristocracy. I mean, we certainly had wealthy landowners. If you look at somebody like, for instance, George Washington, very wealthy. But in Europe, land ownership was usually a large ownership of land, usually went hand in, hand in glove with an aristocratic title, which the United States never had. So we're not going to have an aristocracy. And when you look, as well, at the decision to overthrow George III, you know, practically speaking, we were not going to get another monarch. We weren't going to take another monarchy, and so that pretty much excluded the possibility of a monarchy. So we were probably going to be stuck with some version of a republic. And uh, the Americans, in particular, as a, sort of a product of the Enlightenment and going back to um, the Renaissance as well. And the Americans in particular were drawn to the example of ancient Rome and the Roman Republic, and particularly the way the Romans divided power between different social factions to prevent it from being abused.
0: You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, and I'm here with Dr. Jay Cost discussing his new book, Democracy or Republic? So, Dr. Cost, you devote a whole chapter of your book to the question of political parties within our Republican government. How do political parties fit into this form of government, and what are the benefits they provide within this Republican system?
1: Well, parties fit, if you look at it from the perspective of the Founding Fathers in 1787, they would have said political parties are a bad thing. If our system of government works properly, it will stop political parties from forming. And therefore, we will have, that's a good way to protect Republican government. But by, you know, within 10 years, not only did we have political parties, but the founders themselves, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, had actually helped to create the first party system. And I think over time, as the parties have evolved, they've evolved in such a way that create the potential to enhance public accountability over policymakers. And the way they do that basically is by connecting candidates to issues where you're voting, you know, like, let's say you have an election and it's like, for instance, in my state of Pennsylvania, we're going to have an election for the Senate next year between Bob Casey Jr. and Dave McCormick. Okay. So that just leaving it there is a choice between two individuals. However, when we attach party labels to them, Democrat Bob Casey Jr., Republican Dave McCormick, then we're signaling to the voters and we're signaling to the populace that these people, if you vote for them, will advance a particular agenda over and above another agenda. And so what, what parties do, at least when they're behaving properly – is they transform votes for individuals into votes for political programs and therefore create the possibility for public accountability over the actions of the government, where the public can say, we voted for Republicans, which means we as a political community want this to happen and not that.
0: Some people today would say that the Constitution is a document that has no place in 21st century America. So therefore, the form of government the Constitution provides for can also be disregarded. And in fact, you discuss this in the introduction to your book, Democracy or Republic, and even cite examples of articles saying something to that effect. Why can we and why should we still abide by the Constitution's form of government today and not simply come up with a new system?
1: Well, I think the main reason is that the Constitution is founded on solid principles. I think conservatives, I mean, I'm a conservative. I I know most students, I think, at Hillsdale are probably conservative. So there's probably not a lot of convincing I have to do to suggest that an old document like the Constitution has been in function, has been operating for so long, which is a sign that it's a good thing. You know, That's sort of the conservative argument. Old things are often good things. Otherwise, they wouldn't still be around. Um, And you can make that argument, and that's an argument that I think works very well with conservatives. Um, But in the book, I try to go beyond that. And the argument that I make in the book is that the Constitution is not just good because it's old, but it's good because it's based on good, solid ideas. And the good, solid ideas that it is based on ultimately get down to what we talked about a moment ago, where the Constitution creates the opportunity for the people at large to govern, which is the democratic principle, but at the same time creates sort of – you can imagine sort of a car going down the highway creates guardrails to keep the car from going off the road, right? like the Senate, for instance. So the Constitution is it's a very sensible mix of these two principles, putting the majority in charge but checking the majority and constraining the majority not completely but just in ways to make sure that the will of the majority is actually good for the whole country.
0: You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, joined today by Dr. Jay Cost, author of the new book, Democracy or Republic? Dr. Cost, I just have a few last questions for you. One being, it's easy to look at our Republican system of government and see all its shortcomings. But you remind us that an ideal system of government never will exist. How has the Republican form of government actually been what you call in the book a true marvel, especially when compared with so many other systems of government that have existed throughout history, including democracy?
1: That is a great question. Um, I think that it's easy, as you as you suggested, I mean, it's easy to take things for granted. It's easy for us today to assume uh, an imaginary world uh, that is better than the one that we actually have and to sort of, you know, say, well, why can't it be better? I mean, I think that's just inst- instinctive within human nature. Um, but I think when we, when we consider the whole course of human history, what we see is the overwhelming tendency of governments to tyrannize, to oppress, and to destroy the interests of the majority of the citizenry, of the people, for the benefit of the rulers, and that our Constitution was created specifically for the purpose of preventing that. And I think even though it has its faults and its flaws, I think it has done a reasonably good job of that and I also think that it's easy for us to take for granted today that democracy or the public can rule just you know it, there's no problems to it and and one of the reasons for that frankly is that democracy has become in the book I call it the hegemonic governing ideology. We just assume that democracy is the way things are supposed to work, but in practice historically democracy has been a very often dangerous institution of government. And our system has done an enormously good job of channeling the democratic interest without leading to the destruction of civil society. And that is a really remarkable thing, considering that our Constitution has been in effect now since 1789, which means that it's 224 years. It's really impressive.
0: Dr. Cost. what audience is this book intended for? Is it strictly for a political audience, or can any American benefit from it?
1: I would like to think that anybody could benefit from it. Um, I think that one of the reasons that I wrote the book, um, I wrote the book for uh, uh, particularly for young people, because um, I'm a teacher. I teach at Grove City College. I also teach at a small Christian high school, outside of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And a lot of the chapters came about over the course of, um, you know, lecturing to my students and figuring out ideas. Um, but I, I would like to think of the book as sort of a, really meant for a, somebody, a, a young person, who's trying to think through um, the nature of government and um, considering the case for the Constitution. What, is the, what sort of ideas are the Constitution anchored on? I think this is often the sort of question that young people, particularly in college, are sort of working their way through. So that was really one, one audience I had in mind.
0: Finally, how can readers pick up a copy of Democracy or Republic for themselves?
1: Oh, see, now that's my favorite question. <laughs> um, so you can get a copy at Amazon, obviously, or Barnes & Noble. It's available online. And I think, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure Barnes & Noble is going to have it in stock in some select, select locations. So plenty of ways to get it.
0: Dr. Kost, thanks so much for joining me here on the station to discuss your new book. And we wish you all the best with the book's launch.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, joined today by Dr. Jay Cost, author of the new book, Democracy or Republic? The People and the Constitution. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and that you'll tune in again for more special content.